0: Well, welcome to this week's money meeting today is september 20th 2021 Monday meetings are a chance for motion designers all over the world to connect and ask questions share inspiration or hear presentations and interact with industry leading artists on an equal playing field i'm William clisham and mark should be joining us i think he just got done on the mograph.com stream and then he's got a client call and then he'll pop on probably in the next 10 minutes or so As usual, if you have a question, there's a raise your hand function, or you can just type it into the chat. Or we're pretty loose, so you can just kind of hop in as needed. And just also, this is recorded. So if you have any concerns about anything said, let us know, and we'll try and omit it from the final release. Um, I'm going to throw it out to people. Does anyone have a topic they want to talk about this week? Otherwise, I've got one in reserve. But yeah, how's everybody doing? bombs or winds or anything they want to talk about before I throw out my topic. Nope. All right. So here's my topic. And this is why I was saying, I didn't want to join the square meetup earlier is I'm on a project right now. And communication has been super lacking. Like, from day one, and it's not my first project since quarantine, COVID, all that has started where this has been a thing where like people just aren't great at communicating. So I thought maybe it'd be a good idea just to like chat about how people are most effectively communicating with their clients because it's kind of getting annoying at this point where we're like – well, we've been doing this for 18 months now or however long now, and you would think people would be used to communicating in this format, either through video chat or through email or teams or however. And, um, yeah, not great for me the last couple of times. So does anyone have any thoughts on like best practices for communicating with clients and making sure they're staying up with you on things? Yeah, go ahead, Jen. Just Hop on in.
1: Um, Yeah, basically, well, before COVID, you know, when you jump on a call, you always sort of had an email afterwards, like as per our conversation and you list, like you always have someone taking notes. So you're all on the same page. When I first started, I had a client that would email me, text me, Facebook, chat me and call me and then give me all different types of like marching orders, but no priority. So I finally, and she'd also call me way like 1130 at night and talk to me about her life. I was like, okay, I need boundaries. <laughs> so also setting work hours to like, you can only talk to me within these hours. I know some freelancers say, you know what? You can only contact me on this one day within this amount of you know hours, unless it's an emergency. Um, so I think even like bringing down your hours to a one or two day, window, I think might, might help with that. Also, when you're doing things that have rounds of revisions, making sure that everybody has their notes in by a certain time. Otherwise, you're going to the next round and you're paying more if that's sort of the setup you have. So I guess my advice on, on that. So I'm having
0: like the inverse of that oh. where a client is not communicating. <laughs> so, oh. so yeah, like we're, we're we have these daily stand up calls that we're doing. And I am showing progress in between. And the issue is I'm East Coast. They're on the West Coast. Right. And so I really kind of need just like, even if it's three sentences that I'm going in the right direction or something when I post them to either Slack or Teams or whatever platform um, that they've seen it, and I am going in the right direction because, you know, I'm working three to four hours ahead of what they're working on. Mm-hmm. And it's just been like silent. <laughs> just, so I'm kind of at a loss of like what to do. Go ahead, Alejandro. I saw your hand pop up. How often did you say you, t- you, you talk to them? So we're doing a daily morning call and it's usually anywhere from like, 11 and i'm saying morning loosely like 11 a.m to 1 p.m their time which is um or even like 11 a.m my time to 1 p.m my time depending on time of day and who's available and stuff like that so usually i start my work day at like 8 30 in the morning or so uh depends on what time i drop off the kids at school then i'll have about two or three hours of work time then we'll have our call. And the call has been like, okay, yeah, doing good. <laughs> like, we move on. Like, I, okay. That's so more of a stand up type of. Yeah, it's kind of like a quick stand up type thing. And then we move on. And so I'd say maybe around like 2 p.m. my time, if I've made some pretty good progress, I'll take a screenshot, send it, and then I won't hear anything. And <laughs> it's like, Yeah. I mean, the only reason I asked that is like, you know, would it be, I know it kind of puts you a day behind things, but it's better than, you know, to waste, you know, one possible day than you know, all the time, just kind of shift the schedule so that you send the stuff right when they're in the call so that there is the possibility that some of them may have some feedback or something like that, or, Hey, let's talk about after the call or something like that. So that you're kind of making it more fresh, like here's where I've been. So, that's kind of how it's been working is on these calls we've been screen sharing our progress. Um, But obviously I'm, you know, you make progress throughout the day and then you want feedback as you're making that progress, um, especially for tight deadlines. And. Do
1: you have milestones set up? I
0: think they do internally and I'm just not privy to them. Okay. So yeah, I,
1: I would have them set up milestones for you. Cause then you're like, okay, I'm done with this. I can move on. instead of just waiting around.
0: Yeah. So that happened to me last week where they gave me a goal and I hit that goal and that milestone. And then I hit up everybody that is involved in the project. And I got a thumbs up emoji. That was it. <laughs> <No> <laughs> responses or anything. And it wasn't even from like the, the lead person. Um, so that like, it's just kind of disheartening a little bit when you like, nobody's giving you any kind of response.
1: I guess um, you maybe light a fire under them and be like, Hey, so this is a hundred percent approved, right? <laughs> you know? yeah. See what they say. Yeah. I, yeah. So I
0: tried that today with another producer and mm-hmm. they kind of chimed in, but it, yeah. Anyway, Tessa, I see your hands up. So go ahead and chime in if you can. Don't cause an accident.
2: Yeah. No, yeah. Um, No, I've been in that situation and I hate it because it's like, I, they just go like, yeah, good. And you're like, no, really, I want your feedback. What I did in that situation with the client like that is I had like a, a sign off sheet and I was like specific, like, Hey, do you like this font Do you like the way this flows? And I would like ask for a checkbox and I wouldn't move on until just because like, it took me doing those specific things to get the feedback I wanted versus waiting for them to give it to me, if that makes sense. And that kind of helped. I mean, they were still kind of unresponsive, but it helped a little bit.
1: I've had the opposite where I, I try not to put too much, like be specific because then I feel like I'll call out stuff that they would have never noticed unless I said something. So I always get,
2: that's a good point. That's a good point. But I mean, if you're waiting on specific feedback, you know, you have to basically just ask them because right? yeah. the worst thing that could happen is if they say, okay. And then at the very end, they're like, wait, we want to change You know,
1: they can't No, but that. then you charge them more money. that's true that's true
0: (laughs) yeah so like i'm kind of stuck in between both of you where i'm asking for feedback and they're just not providing it and i'm making sure like okay here like here's where i am here's the goal am i close to that goal is it far from what you set? things like that and um yeah i don't know it's just it's really weird and it's like the second or third time this year on a project where I, like i get the remote thing really throws a wrench into it but it shouldn't be throwing a wrench into it that much
2: anymore that sounds know.
1: frustrating i'm sorry <laughs> that sucks
0: go ahead janelle
2: do you borderline almost feel like you're being the producer does that make sense like yeah, one that has to schedule things and figure things out a little bit,
0: and Hello. I so somebody else. I'm not going to drop her name, but you you all know her because she's on the daily call. Um, she was asking me the same question. She was like, "So who's the producer on this?" And I was like, "I don't know." Like that's the other thing is the hierarchy is really not put in place like i i know who i was told to report to and then when i report to that person it's just like silence
2: have you and you've spoken to like the other leads on this project like i this is the person i'm reporting to i'm not getting it very little to almost no feedback yeah i feel like i can't do my job
0: yeah so that that was a conversation i had with two leads today the person i thought was a producer but they're actually just in like a hiring role i reached out to them i let them know i was like look i'm i'm really having communication problems and i feel like i'm being set up to fail and i like working with the team so far when we are communicating um but i don't want x date to come and i'm not where you were expecting because i'm burning hours waiting for feedback um And then they told me to reach out to this other lead, which I did. But that lead is a 2D artist and this is a 3D project. So they only have like so much direction they can do. Like they did the style frames, like some quick storyboarding. But then when I asked like, Hey, do we have assets for this or that? Like, Oh, I'm not a 3D artist. So I, I'm not the best person to ask. That should have been answered by this person or that person, which I have asked already in the past week or so and not gotten a response so that like that's where all this frustration comes from it's like it's like circular <laughs> pattern of all right go ask this person now go ask this person and ask this person and there really isn't a producer taking lead to manage all that but yeah um anyone else have any thoughts on it i know this is a really fun topic like starting out with just like my qualms
2: no i think it's a fair one because i've been in a similar situation actually and it screwed me over and they threw me under the bus and it was not fun yeah yeah, I've been in this situation too. And what, what happened at the end was that it was a scramble. So just prepare yourself for that, I guess, would be my advice is like to scramble at the end when they do realize they have to jump in and make these decisions and make changes and it's going to be hell for like a week. Cause that's yeah. what happened.
0: <laughs> yeah. Which I've dealt with before in other projects too. So like you said, it was George, it's George's fault. Is that what you're saying in the chat? All this is George's fault.
1: Yes, yes to all of them.
0: No memes, so it was fault. Well, I, th- I think it was my fault a little bit because I had to go pick up my kids last week and then I just kind of shut off the call without even thinking about the memes. So I, I apologize, George.
3: Canceled i had a meme ready last week and so i thought okay no one had the courage to tell me i've been cancelled so i haven't made one this week so but you couldn't keep it in
0: your folder you had to say, release it anyway so we yeah, couldn't have had got, a meme this got week.
3: no likes even in the discord so what's the point you know? well, in, did you, you share it for, in the
0: discord too? i
3: made two one with three chef's kisses but uh,
4: oh i i meet your messages by default sorry i forgot <laughs> 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 let's
3: not let's not go back to last week let's look forward
4: yeah
3: Sorry, I was just Mark gonna is say
2: DMing me. It, but, oh, go I ahead, mean, I was,
5: James. I was not say I missed the kind of first part of your okay. thing, but it, it sounds like, you know, usually anytime that I'm in an uncomfortable position as a freelancer with like ask or demands, I, I think you're already on the right path, which is you basically want coverage, right? You want to show that you were being proactive and to make sure that you were able to ask for things when there was time so that when there isn't time and then like, you know, you hit Jen's point of like overages or whatever, like you're trying to make sure that you're covered and without stepping on toes, right? Because like you're not not the producer on the job, you're not the whatever lead on the job, you're just trying to get information. So, I think the best way is to like make sure that you're being heard uh, or just like communicating that you're trying to ask for things and I think that's like... The most you can do in those situations to try to, you know, um, it's like your own safety net to like, make sure you're like, Hey, well, there's like a paper trail of me asking about this, or there's like, I put out emails about this. So it's like, yeah, some, sometimes the best you can do.
0: Yeah. Which, yeah, that, that's what I've been doing so far is anyone that I can get to respond a little bit or like give me in direction, at least lack of a better term shit hits the fan (laughs) i can be like all right like i reached out to this person and they didn't respond so i reached out to this person and then they told me to reach out to this person and i also reached out to the hiring manager and let her know that i was having issues so yeah um jenny was saying in the chat something you should start at the beginning of a project which i totally Agree and then make sure there's a schedule that can be followed. If they miss a deadra- deadline The schedule is pushed out. And that's really on them. Um, yeah, totally. I'd like, this is one of those rare, oh, I shouldn't say rare, but rarer instances where I'm not in like a direct to client position. Like this is an agency role. So I kinda just got thrown into it. Yeah. I could have would have should a type thing. Um, and yeah, I should I definitely take responsibility of I should have done more due diligence of like asking the hiring manager, okay, this is my direct contact, but like who's the producer on this or like who else do I reach out to and follow up to on this project um, so yeah, but I appreciate everyone's input in the you know fifteen twenty minutes to rant and vent about this
3: but are you talking about? With agencies, or are you working with a, a company for this project?
0: So I am working with basically an agency at this point. Mm. Um, I'm not really familiar with them, but when I've looked up their site, let me see what they say without giving away who they are. Um, they're, yeah they call themselves an agency a creative agency why do you ask george you think it has different uh connotations versus I think somewhere marks. else i think when
3: you're an agency maybe you get lost in the team because i all my clients it's just direct to client i don't work with agencies you know i just say hey uh what's up? And just they're straight back at me because I'm all they've got, you know, Uh, it's yeah. I think if you're in a team, a bigger team, it's got to be such an issue, but how can it truly be on you? Then also, how can it not be on you? Yeah. There's no answer. Oh no, it's not black and white. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
0: I mean, they kind of nailed it. Like it's on me, but it's not on me. Mm -hmm. And yeah. So, like, you know, it's one of those things where, especially as a freelancer, you, like, you don't want to tarnish your reputation. And that, that's my, you know, like, that's the biggest worry coming out of this is, all right, is it going to fall on me? And then somebody, like, a producer is going to go work at another agency and, like, oh, we shouldn't hire Liam because he was on this project and it fell through. It's like, well, now like great. Now I'm tarnished because the agency dropped the ball, not me. And I couldn't deliver properly. So
1: I think if you, I mean, if you frame it, if you do, it's that weird thing where the squeaky wheel gets the, gets the oil, but also I've been in places where the squeaky wheel gets fired. So (laughs) it's a gamble, but um, I think if you, if you do say something, You know, you just frame it in a positive way, like, oh, my heart is with this project. I really want to give you guys the, you know, I want to communicate effectively, visually, but to do that, you know, I need X, Y, Z, you know, it's also, it's also like a matter of like, if this is the way they behave, like
2: do you want to work with them again? Like if you're gonna have a client that you're having such a miserable time like working with and it's making your life so difficult, like why would you want to work with them again? There's so many places that you can work in open. So if they tarnish your 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 name or whatever for that specific company, well, like you gotta you gotta be on like the other side. Of it. You have to ask yourself, do I want to do this again? Like, and for me, like generally the answer is if I don't like working with you, I have the ability now as a freelancer to say, actually, no, like, I don't want to do this again. So thank you. Goodbye. You know? Yeah, totally.
0: And like, I definitely have had clients that I've had to let go or not work with again because of that. Um, so yeah maybe it turns into one of those situations knock on wood that it doesn't and things start to resolve themselves a little bit now that i've brought it to the attention of multiple people um and it's weird too because i've talked to others that have worked with this agency and they're like yeah it was it was a pretty good experience and now maybe it's just the way this team was assembled and there's stuff going on behind the scenes that I'm not privy to. So that, that could just be the case. Um, but yeah.
1: You shouldn't have to deal with the drama though, too. I mean, you're, you're a contractor. They should be shielding you from all of that, but they should be communicating too. So,
0: yeah. Jenny, I saw you unmuted for a second. Did you have something else you want to chime in with?
1: Sorry. No, I just, I was on the
2: wrong screen and I pushed the space bar. On the wrong <laughs> Sorry.
0: <All right. laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. So, all right. It's feeling feeling a little better <laughs> talking about this. Um, I just I was DMing with Mark, and he will probably be joining us here in a few minutes as well. Um, so yeah, what
5: else is going on with people? Well, that you' oh, us so perfectly oh,
3: onto our next subject.
0: Hold on, George.
3: Don't
5: you do was, do that? I was just gonna say, like, uh, that's. Like so, uh, recorded calls. How do you filter? Stuff? Right. <laughs> yeah. um, so, like the past year, like I've been on a film project, and I basically have hit this wall with like what you're hitting, but in a different way. Which is, and kind of like what uh, Jenny was saying, is like this idea of like that relationship that you're building we as freelancers have this power to choose whether to continue these relationships or not and i i basically had to kind of put my foot down on this project in a way where i felt like this entire process has been so disrespectful of my time uh and not listening to me raising flags like like you're saying like where you're like oh you know like i I'm trying to ask questions because I'm trying to get ahead of it. And then they always wait until the last minute. Like we have a screening next week. So now we need all these things. And it's like, I've been asking about that. And so I hit this threshold point where it's like, I, for the first time was like, look, like no matter how grand of a project this is or whatever, like you've hit my threshold where I've realized that there's nothing fruitful going to come out of me continuing this. And so, like, it was kind of like a two-part job where we're finishing the first part. We're supposed to do a second part. And I basically said no to the second part. And the second part is the real reason why I took the job was for that. And it hurt a lot to make that decision, but it's also, like, the best decision, right? It's, like, I'm protecting myself and I'm invested in myself. And regardless of whoever the person is, like... I'm seeing that it's kind of like those things. It's like be the change you want to see. It's like I, other artists need to stand up for themselves. Other artists need to like you know say no to things. And so it's like I feel like I was like no matter if somebody else if I say no to this, someone no else doesn't say yes, but it doesn't matter. Like I feel like personally, I'm gonna go ahead and just like go with my conscience on this and say like this is a disrespectful, bad relationship. And even if it could lead to more stuff, like I'm good. Like that's. I'm good with this. And so I feel like I've had a really hard time with that. Like over the past, like this job started in January. So it's been a trick.
0: Yeah. I relate to that. Where I had a job back in December into January of this year, where basically there was a person on the job that it was a two part thing. And part one, was okay and i was excited for part two and luckily i got to still work on part two but part one one of the people on the job was just ruining it for me and i basically said like look i don't want to be a part of this section anymore is it okay if i can just move on to part two and focus solely on that because i i don't think this person and i are going to align creatively where i thought part one was going to and by the end of the project i think it it ultimately painted my relationship because i stood up and i said that like you know this person on the team is kind of being a downer (laughs) for all of this um but ultimately i feel good that i stood up to them and stepped away because i think it would have bled into part two of the project which i was most most passionate about and the delivery of that would have been weaker and not something that would have been real worthy which now having done the project i feel like yeah this is a piece i'm going to put on my reel um but yeah i I totally relate to i think there's so many factors that can make or break a project and it like As much as I like to say, like, yeah, business is business and cut and dry, and I can separate myself from it personally. There's always like that little bit of personal attachment when you're doing something creative because you're, it's almost like making a life a little bit, like you're building something. You're putting your energy and fostering this thing to be born into something. So, yeah.
5: Well, it's also like, it feels like you too, at the, at the end of the day, it's like, it's I know we always like try to do that separation of like I am not I am not my work or whatever, but it's like also it's like this is my work and name's gonna be attached to it and it's in this sort of like whatever and it's like you still want that representation of you to be good, even if like the challenges of the project damaged it. Like at the end of the day, we're still problem solving and you're still trying to make sure that like everyone walks away happy, but um mm-hmm. Sometimes it's really tough for that to happen.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um. Just, I'll catch you up, Mark, since you just joined. Just basically like talking about how important quick communication is in a project, both either way too little of it, which I'm experiencing on a project or you no know, too much of it or where blame gets shifted around or like how even, like a I was saying with my case just now when you jumped in, how one person can kind of taint a job and it makes you not so effective on the rest of a project or things like that. So totally. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if you have any thoughts on.
4: Yeah, uh, actually I, I do. Um, similar experience, I think, uh, Liam, um, And and this is actually something I took away from Camp Mograph this year in in talking with um, Matthew and Cena during his his creative direction class is that, like, you can tell when a creative director, art director, like, really knows their shit. I feel like there's a lot of directors and creative, you know, art director, creative director, whatever. And I feel like I'm somewhat guilty of this, too, sometimes about, like, Just kind of let's, all right, here's the idea. And like, let's just let the magic happen. Like, take that and run with it, right? You're essentially giving that artist like a really big box to play in, which can be great. But I think if you're working on some of these jobs and some of these high level jobs, you need someone who can articulate the vision to really align the team in that big sandbox. Because, like, if you're just, kind of you know wash your hands and you're like here here's the project and here's a few of the like guidelines for it like i just got off a a call too where i tried to ask as many questions as i because i didn't really understand what they were asking and they didn't really know what to tell me and it just made me think of like okay like they're totally just winging this right now and i'm really kind of nervous on how this job's gonna go um but just the level of communication, being able to, to really communicate either your voice or or, or the um, ultimate end goal of this project or of a project. Uh, I think being able to use the right words and articulate your vision as well as, as well as you can is huge. And the people who do that well have projects that run really smooth. I think the more and... Am- <laughs> and amb- what is it? Am- ambiguity that you have it sounds fun and it sounds creative because the endlet the possibilities are endless but then you're just kind of like treading water and just throwing darts at a dartboard and seeing you know what sticks and what doesn't and in a production pipeline that doesn't really work maybe it works for the first week of r and d but then you need to be able to like execute and if you're not getting clear communication from the top down i think that affects the entire team and just makes a, a lot more many more like speed bumps and you know bumps along that road
1: I need boundaries. Like, please give me boundaries. I love it when a client apologizes for being too direct. Like, no, please (laughs) just give me an exact list. You know, like I'll give you what you want and I'll expand on it. But don't tell me you trust me as an artist that just gives me a heart attack every time.
5: Oh, I think, I think Matthew, I, he, I didn't write it down. I wish I did it. Like he phrased it so perfectly. And it was like about like, I think it's kind of what you're talking about, Mark, where he's saying you don't want to be prescriptive, but you want enough direction to like move forward. So it's like you don't want to give somebody like I don't want to tell you like in some type of like creative things where it comes back to the trust, like you're building a team because you trust that they're artists and they're going to bring something to the table and you don't want in certain situations right where it's like i'm bringing mark on because i know he's a great you know artist and i don't want to just limit you by saying mark i need a cube it needs to be black and white uh the camera needs to be 35 millimeter and the cube needs to bounce every 12 frames for like three like whatever and it's like it's so prescriptive you're just like well i'm i'm not adding anything i'm just executing this for hey, you it's just a button pusher yeah and so it's like you're trying to be like okay look and that that's what his class did really well was like deduce the ideas of like what do you what's the idea what is the essence of it how do you explain that essence to somebody and then if you had to make it how do you take that essence that you've explained and visualize it and so like that idea process is like i want to give you enough of a a description to go on to where you can make something it's still in line with what we're doing i've shown you design frames uh you know the framework. It's it still is a sandbox, but there it's not like the size of a country. It's like you know, it's it's a normal six-footer and you can play around in there and there's it there's still uh room to explore, but within bounds. So that's the kind of direction that is like it's really hard to give. But sometimes it's like you know, free-flowing, like, oh, we're doing this really abstract. Nike piece, man versus machine style. Everyone can freestyle and make whatever you want, and we'll figure out later how it all works together. So there's like a, or it's like you know, Jen, you're doing a, a like video essay. There really isn't like you're like there's a script, and I'm gonna make a thing, and something needs to appear, and it needs to animate, and this is your logo. So it's like okay, cool, you can be prescriptive with that, and then the. Uh, artistic side comes in like timing or keyframes or you know how things are transitioning or whatever. So it's like finding those that balance within direction is really hard because there's a broad range of people. And sometimes I'm I'm fearful where I'm of the of the wrong type where I am a little bit more loose because I I'm more interested in giving people empowerment in artistry than just being prescriptive. And sometimes I might be too loose, but I'm working on that too.
4: Yeah, like I want if I were to work on a project with you, James, right. And say it's a project about graffiti or something, you're like, all right, so this is, you know, we need this piece to look like this or like we need it to say this or, you know, I want it kind of wild style." Like you're giving me enough detailed direction to put me on the right path. But then it's up to me to walk that path and actually get to the end of it. But if you're just like, Hey, we're going to do this thing. And like, here's the roadways of America, choose one you know like uh that to me is overwhelming as an artist too because i'm like well fuck like i don't even know which way to go (laughs) uh yeah
5: analogy city or 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 yeah or the worst one is that you've already gone way down this other path and i'm like well why did you go down that path like that's the wrong path and you're like you didn't say that was the wrong path (laughs) totally totally
4: well and i think uh aaron Sorovsky said this either at camp or on her podcast that like if they hire an artist, they want the communication, but you're also being hired as a professional artist. So don't ping me every five minutes, <laughs> you know? So like over communicating sometimes is a problem too. Right. And like needing the check of approval before even going on to the next experiment, like it, like maybe it's one or two check-ins a day or if the project needs more or less, great. But I think, you know, with the advent of Slack and discord and all the ways we can communicate now um, going too far, it can almost be a problem. I mean, I don't want to say it's a problem because I'd much rather have someone communicate more than not, but yeah, I don't know. There's a different take on it.
5: Yeah. And I, I said, like when I was at like Royale, like one of my favorite interns that we ever worked with, which you know, so there's sometimes this like notion of what you're talking about where it's like you're asking, it's like hand-holding. Nobody wants to hand-hold on a project. People want you to kind of have like rain and come in when you, you need to ask questions so you're not going too far but you don't want to check in too much and this one uh, artist that I worked with, he... um was really good about i would ask him for something he would bring a motion test back for that but then he also did three others and so it was like here's these other ideas that i did too just in case like these like fit or this works better and it was great because it wasn't like hand holding and it was like a little bit of like you know uh them getting excited about the project and just kind of like doing things so yeah it's like it's there's like all these different energies you try to channel into you're working with people well
4: and it's also different now too right like it it, (laughs) with many of us working remotely those check-ins and those like whips that are sent throughout the day and whatnot like it's a lot easier to send those and stuff now and like just be in constant communication whereas that used to happen when you would pass by my desk and see something over my shoulder and be like oh yo that's dope like keep going with that or whatnot so now it's like trying to find that balance of of those happy kind of interactions that just happen by, you know, happenstance uh, you and just it. peppering someone with, with, you know, whips.
1: You can control it. What you're to, what you're sending over. I think right. the most irritating thing ever about going to art school is having a teacher come behind me when I wasn't finished with something. I was mm-hmm. like, just let me do it. <laughs> like, stop no, talking no, about working. But,
5: but I will say though, like, cause I'm, I kind of share that same sentiment, but Like, say, like, I'll I'll give it very specific examples. Like when I was on uh, Spider-Verse, I was working with Brian, uh, the the creative director, like he constantly was asking to check in with me and I never wanted to share. I was like, this isn't ready to show you. It. This isn't ready to show you. This motion test isn't ready. And it was back to that point of like not getting too far. Like sometimes I would get too far with an idea that wasn't the right idea, and so seeing it early could spark something either for the conversation to change the direction or others around us to filter ideas around so sometimes being too protective of their ideas of like waiting till they get to like where you're ready to share sometimes those early like raw portions of the ideas are are great to share because it can people can jump off that or give the right feedback before you get too far and so I, that is something I I tried to get better about too, where, you know, inherently some of the super rough ideas that I was going to toss away ended up making it to final because he saw something in it that I didn't see in it. So there's that, that too. Well, and Ryan's here. Yeah.
4: Ryan, what up? We missed you. Um, Yeah. Like in terms of the, um, in terms of that too, like, I think you just nailed it on the last thing you said was that he saw something that you didn't. Right. And like, as an artist too, I find it hard to like step away from the piece and like, look at it totally subjectively. And like, I think when, again, coming back around to communication any sort of director who has the vision should be able to look at it subjectively and not be like married to this frame because they just love it so much, you know, like being able to just kind of dissect the piece or the frame or whatever. Is it, is it, uh, you know, checking all the boxes of the brief? Is it communicating what we need to communicate and just being able to kind of look at it from a 30,000 foot view? Uh, but if need be, get into the nitty gritty. But I think as an artist, it's always harder to like separate yourself from from the frames you're creating to the actual, you know, is it fulfilling the brief?
5: Yeah, I I, I love to still this thing from my uh, professor in art school, like my foundation here, uh, Steve Fleming, he called it the outhouse effect. And I always love saying this. It's like when you've like been in there so long, you can no longer smell your own shit. It's like, sometimes you have to remove (laughs) yourself away from it because it's like, you're just, you're so invested in it. You're like, I've figured out this sim and this is the perfect rig that I've done. And it makes all these things. And somebody walks by and says, what are you doing? That shot's been cut. And like, we're doing this other thing now and you're supposed to do this. Or all that needed to do was like bounce. And you built like three days building a (laughs) rig to make it do all these things. So sometimes it's like that removal is that, that, that direction is also that bird's eye view of the project where it's like, I can see that Mark Ryan and Jen are working on these things and I need to give Jen a little bit different feedback because these other, it's not in line with these things or whatever. Mm-hmm. So sometimes uh, that, yeah. it's, it's also that too. <laughs> Whoa. I, mean, I didn't want to say it on the call. Sorry. But.
4: <laughs> but yeah, I mean, and that's the make of a good director, right? Someone who's like quarterbacking the team can see all the angles, can see all the plays and like, is this getting us to the end goal? Is this going to please the client? Are we, are we, you know, essentially checking off everything that's needed in the brief? And if it looks great, like that's what we're here to do. Right. But yeah. Does anyone else have thoughts on communication or I am sorry, I kind of jumped in late. So yeah, go ahead, Ryan. Oh, you're muted.
6: That that outhouse effect comment is like, literally like what the, it makes the difference between like an artist who wants to be a creative director and an actual creative director, because you don't realize like going the other direction too. Like that's what your client is going through right now, right? Like most clients actually have a problem and they can't tell that there's a problem because they've been in that room too long. And when you come in, it's not just to fill out the answers to the RFP. It's to like step back and look and be like, actually your real problem has nothing to do with what you just tried to hire me to do, but I will not even take the job, but I'll give you for free what the solution should be. And you can tell me if you want me to fix it or not. Like, that's like, that's honestly, like I've always struggled with this until a friend of mine who became a screenwriter, like sold his first script and got in the room to all these places you have to pitch, you know, like all the studios. And he was like, it translates directly to what we do. He's like, we all think you have to talk so that you get to make the art you want. But to get to the point where you want to be, like to become a creative director, you're actually making the art so you get the chance of the opportunity to talk to the people who make the decision. It sounds really strange, but it's as much as we like worry about like every new project and every new piece of software and every st- like style. It's all about like talking to people and understanding like how to present the problem to them in a new way. It's like it, it, you don't get taught that no one teaches you that at all. But if you want to get to that point where it's beyond just like on the box, it has almost nothing to do with the art actually the art is literally just the key to the door to do all the other stuff it takes a very long time like my friend used to be like man i've been writing for 15 years pitching stuff i've never sold a script he sold the script and got in the room and the guy literally was like i don't give a shit about your script it's just the way you talk to me about the project he's like i knew that in five minutes he's like that the words on the page don't even matter to me at all it was amazing like to hear that because i'm like oh yeah that's literally what we do in motion design as long as you're making work for someone else that's a product that's what we do
4: Yeah. That's a good distinction for sure. And feel free, anyone else, if you have thoughts, hop in too. Uh, I don't mean to hijack any of this, but um, yeah. I mean, and that's, I think the tough thing of the artist's journey in this career, in in this industry too. Like traditionally it's like, Oh, you're so good. Oh, cool. We're going to make you an art director. Oh, cool. Now we're going to make you a creative director. And like, that person might be just a phenomenal artist and they can create beautiful frames, but they might fucking suck at leading a team, (laughs) you know? And like, I have friends that, you know, in other industries that have gotten elevated to like VP of creative and they're just miserable because they're sitting in meetings and they're like totally just over it. And, and honestly, they don't really focus on communicating because they just, it's not of interest to them. And therefore, now the whole team suffers because of it. And yeah, it, it's a it's a weird thing to balance. And especially when the traditional, I say that in quotes, air quotes, uh, the traditional route is like artist to some sort of director, to art director, creative director. To you, know, I don't know. That's just not. I mean all of our roads should be windy and stuff. There shouldn't be like a whole straight path of like, this is how you do it. Right. Um, I don't know. Now I'm just riffing, but like, yeah, the, the communication is definitely, I mean, the top thing any sort of director needs to have. Right. Like I, I would say that would be the most important skill.
6: Yeah, I, I spent 20 years hating those people, the people who weren't on the box, <laughs> the people who were, weren't on the box, but somehow got to tell everybody else what to do. Like, I hated it until I got in the room, like literally until I got into the room with Karen Fong and actually saw, I was like, oh, there's this other thing nobody knows about that you're really, really good at doing. That's actually way more valuable than being able to like render something fast.
4: So like, if makes could you, way more sense could you elaborate on that, like, I would love to know a little inside baseball or something about like how mm-hmm. someone of that caliber... Just run stuff. And I even asked this to Hazel at at camp. Mm -hmm. I'm like, you work on so many high level things. Like, how do you stay creative? How do you stay like, how do you keep burning and pushing and stuff yeah. like that? You know, I, I, I don't... think
6: I mean, the thing about Karen that, that always struck me is that like, I have to remind myself all those people at imaginary forces served under Kyle Cooper. Right. And for, for better or worse, there was a lot to learn. You know, there's a lot to learn in terms of art skills, obviously, but there's also just a lot to learn about confidence and conviction of idea, but also like, where and when to listen. And I was always really amazed how Karen knew where and when to push the pedal on like, nope, this is my idea. You came to me, you want something bespoke from me that nobody else can give or not if you don't then that's fine you don't need me and when to also do the exact opposite be the most charming person you've ever met and feel like you're being totally catered to but at the same time the whole time she was steering you into what she wanted to do like that was amazing i I would sit back and be like the fourth person or fifth person in the room with nothing more to do other than like basically note take and i'd just be like after you see it four or five times like what the play is and how it works and how she's listening and then attacking and then listening and then suggesting like oh my god this is like an expert poker player, or like like somebody who's like really good at crisis management, right? Like things that have nothing to do, again, with like even being able to draw or write. Like that was a whole separate skill set that like you only learned it by like seeing someone do it, right? Like I don't even know how she. Totally learned it because it wasn't all just from Kylo. It was from her own sense of projecting confidence and having this idea that she can do something no one else can. You know, like I think James Brian Ma does that in a very interesting way too, right? Like Brian just has this like quirky, fun, weird sensibility that is still commercial, right? It's not like you're paying Brian to just do art for art's sake. Brian understands it needs to work for someone else. But he, he, at least the few times I was around him, he always felt like this like perfect like little brother who wants to just play along with whatever you're doing, right? Like he's uh, he's like. So super excited. He definitely has a vision, right? And he does things other people don't do, but there's some kind of weird, like, you just want to be around this guy because you think something fun is going to happen. And it's just like, that's his way of being like pulled closer and you're a partner, but you're also still making the thing you would make that no one else would like the end titles for like Lego movie, nobody would do that. Spider-Verse, nobody else would do that. Brian's the only, you know, that team's the only people that would do that thing for whatever reason, Um, that that was always amazing to me. Both of them have that skill in very different ways.
5: Yeah, what I've what I've learned from so this is a, like this is this goes this hits two points that I I've been trying to like talk about a lot lately, which is like this whole idea of like this motion design or motion graphics lineage. And I think what's important with that is it's not just like being gray hair about it and being like, you kids don't understand like the spots that came before you. But it's like also just like this idea of like where these creatives came from, you know, who was at imaginary forces at the time when they were like doing these like big projects and like where did those creatives go, you know, and like learning, like hanging out with Brian has also been just like a history lesson in like uh, imaginary forces, you know. So, he was there 10 years and then left to start his own studio and just his opinion of who was there and his opinion of their work ethic and who he chose to work, who he chose to work with after was really interesting because it speaks to like the things, the qualities that he saw in them as artists. But, um, so that's, I, that's like a bigger thing, but you know, I, I think that there's importance in our design history amongst us because there's interesting threads of why people think the way they do and why certain like Hazel, Hazel's going through prologue, being around that, those types of artists, but then going to Elastic and being around different types of artists. And I think that her work ethic and quality comes from that experience. It's, it's yes, part her persona and her as an artist, but it's also part her experiences of who she was around and learning from. Um, but Brian, yeah, the, the, the biggest lessons that I've learned from him as a, as a, a creative director is his way of breaking down ideas to present to clients is amazing. Like his deck treatment has completely altered the way that I put decks together, because it's like, it's explaining the design process through every element that you're doing. If it's a live action shoot that is going to have like visual effects in it, that's going to have typography. It's talking about everything. It's talking about, okay, we're going to talk about the cameras we're going to shoot, why we're going to shoot with these cameras. We're gonna, then we're going to talk about typography, we're going to talk about the fonts that we're going to use, why we're going to use them, how they're going to be used. We're going to talk about the plates, we're going to look at lighting, we're going to look at sets, we're going to look at wardrobe, we're going to look at the cast, we're going to look at, you know, blah, blah blah. And then also then finally, here's graphics and here's how the graphics marry with this and then here's the design. And then you see everything. And at that point, it becomes not about like a client not liking your like idea of your design frame, but more of then they can slot in and say, actually, you know, we don't think that the set is right that you used and it ended up being in your design frames, but we like the rest of it. We can pick you and move forward. And we know that we can change the ingredients in this recipe a little bit to still make it ours. And then there's room for collaboration because not have you sealed them. In a document saying that my idea is the right way or the highway, you've invited them in to collaborate in a way that is about thinking. It's about um, not, it's like about this creative direction from a bird's eye view. You've acknowledged, like Ryan said, that there's a problem that they're creatively trying to troubleshoot. You've identified what that problem is and you've identified what's wrong with their other approaches that they've done in the past or what is successful, and you're applying it moving forward. So, that type of thinking was never what I thought creative direction was. I thought creative direction was like, oh, um, you're at the top. You just tell people what to do, kind of like what Hazel was saying. no, it's really about being able to see all of the ingredients and learn how to explain them well enough to where you can make people want to collaborate with you and continue to collaborate with you. And then once you have that trust and respect then you can make great work like the lego stuff or spider verse which comes out of pure um respect amongst peers to make great work is why that why that exists
6: that's such a great A great summary. Like it has nothing to do with all that stuff we always worry about. Right. Like, like for me, like anytime I talk to Brian, I think it's Brian's a great example of how, what he does going up. He also does coming down and there's almost no distinction between that. Like if you're asking like, what's good communication, it's not like tactics and tips and say this first, or like Oreo sandwich of feedback. It's literally like the goal is to create trust to at least perform collaboration, like do performative collaboration, where at least someone feels like they're part of it, not being told. And then it's, excuse me, once you do that, it's like being able to speak with conviction, but not ego, right? Like being able to be like, nope, I can tell you that this is the reason that we should go this way. If you feel these three things work because of either your background experience or something you've done in the past, but not say I'm doing it because I want to, and you hired me. If you don't like it, fire me like that. Those are like the three things that like any communication and it goes both ways, right? Like when you're working with someone, it goes the same way. If you're trying to get someone to go somewhere without telling them what to do, you have to have those three, like, like things in your kind of like tool set.
4: Yeah. From my experience, some of the best creative directors and even art directors are the ones that just like you said, can explain the vision and all the parts to the client. Make them feel like it's a collaborative effort, distill the brief of what they're actually trying to say, and then also translate that back to the artist and be able to talk keyframes or be able to talk, you know, just looks or lighting or stuff like that. Where, it, like, I just feel like, all right, cool, this director is handling all the client stuff and selling our vision but also speaking with conviction and knows this is the type of lighting that is really gonna set the mood can tell me like, hey, let's try using this type of light or let's add a little atmosphere. Like even some of the nitty gritty things like that is almost giving me the confidence to go try those things. Um, You know, it's essentially supporting your team with a good vision, allowing them enough of the sandbox to experiment, but then also bringing that to the client side of things, selling in that idea while essentially listening to their problems and distilling what they're trying to solve. Um, from my experience, that's really been kind of the, the, the key recipe, I think of, of what makes a good director.
6: Yeah, totally. Um,
4: Cool. Well, if anyone has anything else they want to say about this, feel free to hop on. We're, we're closing in on an hour right now. Um, And I'm not quite sure what you guys talked about earlier, but all good. Um, With that being said, if there's nothing else, I would like to invite George
3: to uh, share the meme of the week. (laughs) So, one of the things we spoke about uh, before you arrived was that there was no meme this week. And uh, for reasons that have now been solved. So, apologies. Uh, But I'd also like to raise maybe a topic for next week. And that topic is how to say no. I've never done it. Mm. Okay. I've done it, but by only saying I'm too busy right now, how to really say no? I'd love to
6: learn that. Say no in work or just in life in general.
3: Mostly in work, but definitely also like <laughs> okay, in good. general. Because yeah, I've got in some sticky situations, but not be able to say no. But yeah, mostly to do with work. How do you say no by not just saying it's about your schedule? How do you say no by saying it's it's you I don't want to work with, but in a nice way that they improve themselves and you can work with them next time? That is. It's like, me, not you? you. That's a great <laughs> yeah. topic.
4: That's yeah, awesome. that is a great topic. I would love to talk about that, and I will put that in uh, the Slack channel
3: so it gets kind of. Well, Mark, if you knew how to say no, you would have used it then, but. You don't know yet, so that's why we got into the subject. Boom! Nicely done, George.
4: With that oh. said, we will wrap up today.
5: <laughs> also, uh, what you missed was uh, George thought he was cancelled. By the way. Oh.
3: We went through that roller coaster. I don't want to dwell on it anymore. We've done it.
6: I'm gonna
5: watch a replay. I got,
4: yeah, I
3: got in. Yeah, it. listen
4: about. Listen to the the recording for that. Um. But yeah, uh, for everyone who has joined us this week, thank you so much. Uh, we are now getting these things back in full swing after taking the summer off and a bit of a hiatus, which is a nice refresh, I think, for many of us. Um, but yeah, if you would like to connect uh, with us to sh- uh, either suggest a topic or uh, a presenter or any question or comment you may have, you can email us at info at uh, mondaymeeting.org or find us on any of the social platforms by just starting to type in Monday meeting and it should populate um, we have different spellings and handles across all the things because believe it or not Monday meeting is kind of a popular thing so um so yeah, just a big thanks to everyone showing up this week. Also big thanks to everyone that I see here that was at Camp Mograph. We had a great time. Really uh, appreciate everyone coming to camp, being involved, in embracing the camp vibes and, you know, making it uh what it was because it is the sum of all parts. So, um thank you for that, and we look forward to doing more of those in the future and who knows? Maybe we can even have a little spin-off Monday meeting type meetup thing in the future or something. Um, I know that's been kicked around a bit as well. So uh with that being said, we're here every week, except if we're on hiatus. <laughs> and uh that's Mondays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific. Uh MondayMeeting.org is where you can uh join the call and If you want to listen to the recordings, you can find it on any of the podcast platforms of your choice. So with that said, we will see you next week. Have a kick-ass week, and we'll catch up soon. Peace out!